You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, I'm Stephen Simcox. Matt Jennings is with me. And Matt, let's play a game called What's the Funniest Thing uh, Currently Going On? Is it <laughs> that Mike Gundy and his half-butt mullet rolled into uh, – I say that because he's not committed to the mullet bit anymore. It's like either have the mullet or don't, but don't have this weird like halfway mullet that just looks like you haven't cut your hair and, you know. It's a very, it's a a very I wish you would be either hot or cold. You were lukewarm. I spit you out of my mouth. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was – that was some conviction here on an early Monday morning. Matthew bringing the word. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> be careful doing that on a TCU podcast. This is not the Baylor podcast. Uh, listen, it's it's more like it's what my hair looks like because I have a newborn and I'm not like taking care of myself. I'm taking care of other people. So it's just like I haven't been sports clips lately. Um, some of you are judging me now because I go to sports clips and that's none of your business. I like to make small talk with people and watch first take on mute. So sue me. That's just kind of a little bit about me. Um, but what's funnier is it that Mike Gundy rolled in there on Saturday and last season, I believe Oklahoma state beat TCU 63 to 17 on their home field. And they're up 24 seven and things were going fantastic for them. And then they just decided, you know what, let's sit on the ball for three quarters and see how that works for us. And it didn't work out and TCU won in double overtime. Or is it funnier, there are a lot of people in opposing fan bases that this offseason sort of trotted out this lazy take of, well, TCU fired their best coach ever, and he was the program, and so now they're just going to be a complete afterthought. They went and hired some mid-coach from SMU, and nobody's going to care about them anymore. And guess what, suckers? We're 6-0, and baby. We're rolling. <laughs> We're bowl eligible in the middle of October. There's no stopping this train. Okay, so I'll I'll throw the floor to you. What's what's funnier to you at the moment? I mean, the latter the latter is funnier. The 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 idea that TCU was making some big mistake by making a change was seemed like on its face just um, like people weren't paying attention to me. Um, during the offseason now you could quibble about whether or not Sonny Dykes was the right hire thus far seems to be working out just fine but I think you saw a lot of especially like national media types uh, trotting out that take of like oh they really ran out the they really ran the best coach in school history which Gary was and is and uh, like unequivocally right but they really ran that guy out of town to replace him with the coach from SMU and I just felt like that, like ignored every piece of context that you could like Gary was frozen in carbonite and a lot of like national media types minds in 2017 in my brain. No one paid any attention to what actually was happening over the previous four seasons. And yeah. so then you come up with then then you have that take of like, why would TCU try and run Gary Patterson out of town? And so, yeah, like that's funny to me. And it is like it's a little vindicating a little bit, I think, for for folks like us who who were kind of saying that for the last couple of years and, 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 and to see that, Hey, look, you know, with a different approach on offense and, and a different uh, style of play and, and emphasizing 
um, some stuff that maybe the previous regime wasn't interested in emphasizing, you can see some results, even with a largely the same roster, right? So that is all that is all very funny. Um, and it's 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 even funnier when you think about it in terms of just like, yeah, they came into the season with no expectations and zero, zero stakes. And so like everything from, they're already bowl eligible. They played six games. They've won six games. Yeah. <laughs> they're going bowling. And everything after this, like, you know, it's an enjoy the ride kind of season in my brain. And you said it right. You said it felt like people weren't paying attention. Yeah, it's because they weren't. And listen, I'm not going to blame them for it. Like they weren't watching. There TCU. was nothing to. There was nothing no, to pay attention no. to. They weren't watching TCU score five points against Kansas State on ESPNU at three thirty in the afternoon, and that's fine. They're watching other games. And listen, I've been known to throw out some lazy takes when I'm uninformed about things. But yes, it was just hilarious to be like, "Well, how is TCU going to do better than you know trotting out a offense with no pulse and?" pulling off one upset against Texas or Baylor per year, which listen to Gary's credit. He could still do that. Like he could still find a way to beat those teams every once in a while. He still put together a talented roster that was fighting for bowl eligibility. Like the bottom did not completely drop out. That's part of the reason why TCU six and zero right now. And they're not like three and three and trying to completely rebuild. But all that being said, obviously things are going well. This was the right choice. And I mean, you really couldn't ask for better things in the first six weeks. Um, turning our attention to the game itself. So they won 43-40 in double overtime. And we've talked about the offense a ton, which understandably so, but I want to start with the defense today because early in that game, Spencer Sanders had a couple of rushing touchdowns. Oklahoma State was just sort of doing whatever the heck they wanted on offense. Um, and TCU was down 24-7. And it kind of felt like, okay, uh, this is the comeback down to earth game. Make this, you know, more respectable and let's get out of here with our pride still intact and hopefully they can bounce back next week. But Matt, the defense really stepped up and the offense didn't honestly kind of find their footing until the fourth quarter and the defense was able to keep them in the game until that happened. So what did you see, you know, adjustment wise from Joe Gillespie? And uh, I mean, again, like, they've been able to sort of figure out and they might have a bad half, but they'll compete and keep the team in the game. And then eventually kind of put some things together and they won't, they haven't had a bad 60 minutes all season. I think Gillespie deserves a lot of credit. It would have been really easy for a team to kind of pack it in. You're down 24 seven and, and nothing is going your way it would have been very easy for that team to on both sides of the ball to kind of check out at that mm-hmm. point. And they did not So they deserve credit for that. I think Gillespie, um, I'm not sure how much change. They definitely made adjustments certainly out of the half. I'm not sure how much, how much they adjusted because some of the stuff that was working for them in the second half, I saw flashes of yeah. in the first half too. I think they, did a little bit of, of what we had kind of been hoping they would do and like attempting to bring a little bit more pressure and, and unsettle Spencer Sanders. Um, and they just didn't get home in the first half and they were getting home a lot more in the second half, guys like Dylan Horton and Dominic Williams. And um, they were, they were doing a better job of affecting him and he was either throwing the ball away. He was uh, scrambling for a short game. He was getting sacked a couple times. Like it was, 
it was much better results in the second half in those regards as opposed to in the first half where like he was kind of like able to improvise and create some big running plays and um, even though he really didn't get going in, in rhythm as a passer for most of the day and um, so I was I was impressed by whatever adjustments they made to be able to get home there and then I was impressed by the secondary it, it, their their play really improved over the course of the game. Uh, Josh Newton in particular, Josh Newton um, has gotten picked on a lot, I think, this season by opposing teams just because everyone, as an aside, Trey Hodges Tomlinson, after a rough start to the season, the last couple of games looked pretty good mm-hmm. um, and was good again yesterday. Um, and so with him kind of locking one side of the field down, generally people have been going after Josh Newton and after giving up that early touchdown, made some uh, nice plays on the ball over the course of the rest of the game. Didn't give up a ton more. Uh, didn't give didn't give up a ton more catches. You had Bud Clark, who seems to finally be healthy, getting some more snaps, getting in there, getting in a key interception. And I said I said this at the time. His interception, I think, was indicative of what I was saying earlier. Of like, it would have been easy to pack it in, right? On his interception, he gets beat initially, right? The 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 receiver has position. Now Spencer Sanders underthrows it, and so that plays into the play. But Bud Clark. Um, doesn't give up on the play, realizes uh, what has happened, sprints with all that he has to recover and make up the ground and gets his head around to not only knock the ball away, but actually make a game-changing turnover, right? And so um, that sort of um, drive and that sort of um, refusal to give up on plays, something that we did not see from them last year a lot of time, especially in games like this where games were starting to get out of hand. And they're getting better at rushing passer, which is a problem that they've had for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And their run defense was, remains really good. Really good. Um, and so yeah. really impressed by that. Um, Dominic Williams continues to just be a force, and it's just really fun to watch. Yeah, so Cody Stovall, who is uh, – he's taking over the Locked On Oklahoma State show. <laughs> this is not – I guess it kind of is a shot. Oh, well. Um, it was just funny. I didn't think about this subplot, but he was like – Oh, yeah, Dominic Richardson revenge game <laughs> because he was a 2020 signee. If you don't know, that's – I'll say his name, right? Correct, Dominic Richardson, the – Yeah, that's right. Oklahoma State. Oh, okay. Someone can correct uh, Yeah, correct me in the comments. But he was a 2020 signee at TCU, running back, and uh, Zach Evans unexpectedly shows up on campus, and then he says, okay, you know, I see the writing on the wall here. I'm going to move on to Oklahoma State. Um, and he's had a decent year. But TCU, yes, has continued to do really well, um, slowing down the run. And speaking of the defensive line, so Dylan Horton's a guy who's been, you know, a perennial starter the last couple of years, but there haven't been a ton of splash plays from him. He looked better in the second half on Saturday. He was kind of a force. I don't know if Joe Gillespie's content. I think he probably understands what he's got right now and that it's going to be tough for with the three man front with the guys they have to get consistent pressure, but my goodness, if they can unlock, if those edge guys can unlock, you know, some ability to fight through those double teams and um, create knockdowns and, and hurried throws, Matt, then the ceiling for this defense goes up significantly. Yeah. And that's the thing we've been, we've been, looking for for the first you know five games of the season up until this point was that seemed like the big the big weakness for them is you know the pass coverage might 
hold up well for the, you know, for the first few beats on a passing play, but you give that quarterback enough time back there, eventually guys are going to come open and they just hadn't been able to kind of um, affect the quarterback super well. Um, uh, certainly not to the degree they did on, on Saturday. So yeah, I was impressed by Horton. They also were bringing some blitzes. Uh, the, the two folks who got sacks on the day were Jamoy Hodge and D Winters um, who both flying around make a play. I, I do think to your point, the depth thing is, is playing into this, right? Because I think there's a concern of like, you're already you're thin on the defensive line and you're thin at linebacker anyway and so um you know it's it's hard you're asking those guys to be on the field for a lot of snaps those stars to be on the field for a lot of snaps and do a lot of things and so asking putting one more thing on their plate of like oh yeah d or oh yeah jamoy like also go and get after the quarterback um but they they call they picked their spots to do that on saturday and it was effective i don't think spencer sanders was 100 percent. there were like weird rumors floating around before the game about like is he oh he, did he yeah. practice or is he gonna play whatever so like I don't think he's 100% I would like to see you know I think it would be cool if later on in the season if Oklahoma State continues to have a nice year and they meet again in the Big 12 title game and I'm projecting super far out like like I acknowledge that but like Let's to get it, yeah. play again with uh, both teams like 100% and healthy um, that'd be fun because um, I you know I don't, I don't think Spencer Sanders has been really uneven for a lot of his career kind of like Max Duggan um, but he's been really good to this point in the season I think Saturday um, he he didn't look like he was all the way there um, but he was fighting through it and um, but he had a really good first half I think in the second half it was it was kind of getting to him so um but yeah they but they took advantage of that right like you can only play defense against you know the the hand you're dealt right and they and they took advantage of the opportunities they had to get pressure on him and um break up passes and force turnovers and they um and they got the results they needed they outscored Oklahoma State after that first spurt 24 to 7 they outscored them uh what's the math real quick 23 to 6 in regulation Mm -hmm. and 30 to 16 over the course of the rest of the game um so or 33 to 16 over the rest of the game so um really great reversal and adjustments by that defense and eventually the offense found their footing as they will always eventually do because they're too talented not to yeah that quick math man that's why matt said milton daniel buddy that's why he was in the honors college um and yes matt mentioned the linebacker so if you missed it on saturday marcel brooks took a pretty nasty cut block uh and there's nothing official out there but early reports and kind of murmurs and whispers around it or that that's that's not a good situation it's probably a long-term situation, at least multiple weeks that he's out. Um, you already have lost Terrence Armstrong for the year. Terrence Cooks, who – or, excuse me, Thomas Armstrong, Terrence Cooks, who was a transfer linebacker, got out for the year in fall camp. So, linebacker's pretty thin. I've also noticed that, um, I mean, Johnny Hodges seems kind of beat up. Like, I think he's fighting through it, but there's some pain there. So, yeah, linebacker's becoming an issue, but it, it's kind of part of the – part of the deal unfortunately and they're gonna have to hope that you know the depth can can uh get better as the year goes on um offensively let's start with the negatives matt i don't i don't know what the the deal has been the last few weeks but i'd like to get your thoughts on it um why why are we running 75 screens like in the first four or five series of the game you know this is sort of the scripted portion of the game meaning like typically the first 25 30 plays you have mapped out before the game starts. Um, and Garrett Riley, 
I get it. Like they have a lot of speed on the edges. It's an extension of the run game. I'm just not really sure why they keep going to that well when you have good running backs in the backfield that can get you positive yards. I think at least the last two weeks, I might attribute it to the matchups, right? I think TCU liked their matchup of their speed at receiver against the secondaries, both against Kansas and Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State, their defensive line and their pass rush is their strength, but you saw some, um, and we, we saw it on film before, and you definitely saw it in game on Saturday, um, there were some weaknesses in the secondary for you to exploit, right? And um, so I think they saw that and they're like, okay, let's get that speed, let's get the ball out quick to those speed guys on the edge and force that secondary um, that's maybe not the strength of the defense make plays in space. That only works though if your uh, if your quarterback is in rhythm and delivering the ball well. And Max Duggan just like clearly was like not comfortable and not settled in for the first like two and a half quarters. Right. And so um, you have, you know, Darius Anderson or, or Kendry Miller or, or, or Tay Barber, like catching, catching attempted screens and either like Darius having to go to a knee and actually like, as he catches the ball. And so it ends up being a three yard loss, or um, it's like at a guy's feet and it just ends up being an incompletion and the defense doesn't even have to work for a play. So um I, I, I agree. I would have liked to see, I don't have a problem with you building that into the script, but I think once you, uh, once you see that it's not working, maybe you make uh, a couple tweaks um, to it, um, to that plan, because you, you have to be able to adjust when Max Duggan is going to go through the spurts that he has where, you know, the, the accuracy, you know, whether he's unsettled or the defense is affecting him, I don't know what it is, but he had that against Oklahoma and he recovered from it and he had it against uh, Oklahoma state and he recovered from it. He, he just has those times in the game where just like accuracy is not there for a little bit of a stretch. And then he finds his rhythm and it's fine. Um, but you can't allow that to kind of repeatedly put you into second and long third and long over the course. And so, um, you know, maybe, you know, I would like to see that adjustment a little bit earlier um, than what we saw on Saturday. I understand what they were trying to do, but it didn't, it obviously didn't yield the results that you wanted. Yeah. Piggybacking off what you said. I mean, my read on it was I thought the offensive line actually held up pretty well on Saturday. You know, you had your, your pressures and there were a few blitzes that got through, but for the most part, I thought they did well. I think the coaching staff, didn't feel like they were going to hold up very well. And so that's part of the reason they were trying to do the screen game early. And I'm also wondering if they were emphasizing that. And that was in the back of Max's head because he had happy feet early in that game. And I'm not sure if that was just jitters or what, but he went back to sort of the bad habit of where he's hopping backwards. Like he'll get in his drop and then he's like hopping backwards immediately. And he's throwing off his back foot. Um, So in the end, things settled down, but it, it just seemed like Matt, they didn't really trust that they could block that Oklahoma state front. And I think you're right. And I think the thing that helped them settle in and feel more confident was getting back. To, this is a very Gary Patterson answer, but it was getting back to the run game, especially yeah. in the second half. Um, they leaned on Kendra Miller and Amari Di Mercado just a little bit force that um that Oklahoma State defensive line to um to think about the run game a little bit and they got Max involved in the run game a little bit as well and 
they kind of set they got the offensive line some confidence but coming off the ball and hitting somebody and um they took the ball out of max's hands for a little bit got some positive yardage get him into more favorable downs and distances more favorable field position and then you use play action off of that and you and you and you get some better spacing because then Oklahoma State moves some moves some guys closer to the line of scrimmage and into the box right and so um you know I know that's like very counterintuitive to this staff's sensibilities right because you have Sonny Dykes you have Garrett Riley you have Doug Meacham you have a bunch of guys who are very like who are very air raid um uh tree guys and so that's not always their their first um instinct but credit to them for understanding hey this is the person that we have this is the matchup that we have and we can we can use it and it can work shout out to Amari Di Mercado also just again um Kendra Miller uh, rightfully so like gets a little bit more of the shine had the game winning touchdown had two touchdowns on the day Marty Mercado like weird career renaissance as a fifth year senior yeah. like showing burst and stuff he was a garbage time running back for like his whole career and has turned into like a really viable number two with burst and and some wiggle in the open field it's really fun and so yeah just them being willing to lean on those guys a little bit I think helped um in those regards as well we'll get to Quentin Johnson in a minute because he had another monster game but uh, I wanted to have some Kendra Miller appreciation time because he does seem like kind of the playmaker on this offense that we haven't talked about as much as Max and some of the wide receivers. Um, he had just over a hundred yards on Saturday and they were tough physical yards. I mean, he just runs with an angry streak, but um, one more like lazy narrative that was out there this off season. And then I'll stop picking on the national media, but there was in, in some previews, I just saw some, some folks saying like, oh, well, this offense is going to be worse because their best player was Zach Evans, and he's now transferred to Old Miss. And Zach's super talented, going to be an NFL running back, is having a nice year at Old Miss with Lane Kiffin and company. Um, but Miller is plenty capable, and he's showing again why he's so good. Had the two touchdowns, as you said. Had the um, game-winning touchdown in double overtime. But, yeah, him and DeMarcado – have sort of been like the stabilizing force all year long when this thing gets off track. Um, and he's legitimately great running back. I mean, he's one of the best running backs in the big 12 and especially good at just shaking tackles and, and getting those yards after contact, Matt. It is Miller time, man. That's not a paid sponsorship. Um, uh, Kendra has just been so fun and I to, to watch, even going back to last year, He's got, I think, a really fun combination of, you hit on it, that physicality and that angry running streak, but also that burst that when he does get some open field in front of him, he can, he can chew up some yardage quick. He has a nice yeah. little spin move that he uses sometimes. Um, he can cut. He, he, he's really m- way more versatile and way more, um, yeah, way more dangerous and shifty in the open field than you would expect for a guy that, that is his size. And he's, yeah, he's just so much fun. He only averaged 4.7 yards a carry, which is going to tank his average for the season a little bit. Um, but uh, is has, has been great. Yeah, people forget he averaged, he led the nation in yards per carry last year mm-hmm. ahead of Zach Evans. Um, just people forget. Um, yeah, so he's been great. Amari's been great. It's been really fun to watch them. Um, they were have been 
given a larger role in the offense, more responsibility, and they've taken to it and taken to it well. If there's one nitpick I would make about Kendra, and I'm not even sure it's on him, it might be on the offensive line. He does seem a little boomer bust sometimes in that like sometimes it feels like he's running into the back of the offensive line. And I'm not sure if that's a quali- uh, a product of the blocking or if it's he's not reading the crease as well as he could. But once he finds the crease, um, he's so reliable at um, like, oh, look, it's second and two now on a first round carrier. Oh, look, there's a 20 yard breakoff run to kind of, you know, get the rhythm going on the drive. And now they can go tempo and now they can open up the playbook and do all the stuff they want to do. And he's just so much fun to watch. Um, he, and, but again, <laughs> both him and again, DeMarcado, a guy who I did not expect to be a factor in this offense at all this year, um, has... Marty Mercado leads the leads the team in yards per carry and is in the top 25 in the country in yards per carry at 6.83, which is wild. Um, yeah, it's a really great stable. We haven't even got a chance to see much from Imani Bailey or Trent Battle, who I think are also really um, interesting and talented guys at the position as well. It's a testament to the depth of that position and how many weapons they have. So Quentin Johnson has 500 yards receiving on the year, which – Midway through the season is good. It doesn't sound like amazing, but if you factor in how he started the season, this is really impressive what he's done over the last four games. Had 180 yards on eight catches Saturday, a touchdown in overtime. Um, the, the coaching staff was right, and we're finally seeing it, Matt. The yards after catch, I mean, it's really tempting now, like anytime there's man coverage against him, to just throw him a little five-yard hitch because he turns it into – 25 to 30 yards with breaking tackles and getting up the field. Um, he's been unlocked. I mean, we're, we're seeing the full potential of what he can be and it's fun. Um, I assume teams are going to kind of make an adjustment, but man, they've, they've figured out how to get him involved and get him the football. They have really started doing what we expected them to do over the course of the off season, which was getting him the ball more in the middle of the field and yes, giving him the ball in space, even on those curls or on those quick digs. Um, and then giving him the chance to, yes, to your point, get the yards after the catch. He's established this like fun signature move that he has, which is he runs the dig or he runs the curl. He makes the catch and he gets the, the defensive backs momentum heading in like toward him to make the tackle and he does this spin and like almost like throws them to the side and then proceeds to gain an additional 15 yards. And he's done that like 12 times over the last two games. It's just really fun to watch. Um, so uh, he's been really, it, it's been night and day the last two games versus the previous four. We talked last week, it's possible he wasn't totally healthy before that. We also talked about, I think, I think, Kansas and Oklahoma state have made poor choices in terms of how they cover him. I think in non-conference teams were really like, we're going to bracket him. We're going to shade coverage to his side of the field. We're not going to let Quentin Johnson beat us. There've been multiple instances where whether it's because of the zone or because it's, uh, or he's getting matched up one-on-one against guys and man coverage and he's just winning his matchups. He's just finding open spots and he's just, and then it's just pitch and catch and that's super dangerous. And if he keeps getting those opportunities, um, there it's just it's gonna be easy for this offense to make hay and it's gonna be easy for these other guys to uh to have opportunities as defenses do adjust to him it makes it it also made it 
not hurt as much when a guy like Darius Davis on Saturday did not have his best game. Um, it was very clear that they were trying to get both Quentin and Darius going because of how much they were targeting both of them. And Darius, I think just was like, is so amped and really wants to make the big play that he, th- I think he, I think he was overdoing it a little bit. And so like, you know, bobbling, passes bobbling punts um but that's okay when you have a guy like quentin johnson there who can kind of pick up the slack when it's needed and a time will come around when the defense is able to kind of limit him and then it creates those opportunities for darius later on so it's a symbiotic relationship so uh, a sort of a, a random part of this football game well i mean it's not random it's important but just a random rule that was exploited so gundy was uh having the guys take their sweet times with substitutions so TCU would substitute, Oklahoma State defense would get a chance to substitute, and they would be walking those guys in and for you know force TCU to burn a timeout, force it to lay a game. And Dykes and the staff eventually adjusted and had them start snapping the football while Oklahoma State players were running off. Got a couple offsides calls, got a couple of legal substitution calls. Um, that in itself was just interesting, that chess match. But I think it speaks to something we've talked about, Matt, which is the staff seems to be really good at making in-game adjustments, which I'll be honest, that was not like the first thing that came to mind when I thought about Sonny Dykes coming over to TCU. Um, But it has been something that they've excelled at through the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, you've absolutely seen it. You saw it against Colorado. Um, The offense was really struggling in the first half. They come out and immediately start putting points on the board in the second half. You saw it against um you saw it against Oklahoma State on Saturday where Oklahoma State is trying to take advantage of the way the refs are calling the game Sonny uh and Garrett Riley changed um what they were doing in terms of their cadence they also I mean Sonny talked about this in the broadcast they and uh and ESPN talked about on the broadcast they also like took it to the ref Sonny's not afraid to just like lay into the ref somebody out and, yeah. and, and try and affect them um which you know that's there's a gamesmanship aspect to that um we saw it against uh talking about adjustments again talking about Kansas last week another game where it's like hey offense came out was not where it needed to be the opening script and the game prep wasn't maybe what they expect uh didn't have you know, the results they necessarily expected they didn't panic and they came out in the second half and were able to create the results that they wanted right so um that's something that um you got to be good at i i would like i would like to not see the slow starts that we've seen maybe over the last couple weeks on offense um i would like for um you to just you know have things set up uh to to have the the most success you can at the beginning um not to like um you know look down on their game prep at all but um but i do think in-game adjustments are an important aspect of coaching um there's something that quite frankly we haven't seen a lot of over the last few years um and it's a credit to them for being being open to change when they see stuff's not working they're like hey okay let's switch it up and uh it's it's helped them win at least two if not if not more games thus far the first six they've won so k-state this saturday uh 7 p.m central time blackout game they've already announced that they're wearing all black unis want the fans to wear black. It's going to be fun. feels like 2014 again. Uh, my final thing, and we don't really have time to expand on too much, but Jared Wiley, kind of an underrated portal addition, certified red zone threat, had the nice catch on the um, trick play for a touchdown and caught the ball over the middle of the field. 
they're not used. I mean, it's not like these guys are getting 100 yards per game, Matt, but it's kind of cool to see the tight end position involved again and or involved really for the first time in a long time in the TCU offense. Wiley has proven himself to be a really trustworthy target. He's shown to have pretty reliable hands. And yeah, I think the red zone, you're absolutely right. It's the place where they're really just, hey, we know we've got size here. We know we've got a physical matchup. He honestly could have gotten another touchdown in overtime. He was on the touchdown of Quentin Johnson in the first overtime. He was also wide open on the other side of the field. So it's kind of pick your poison there. Um, so he's been great for them in that area of the field. Um, as a side note, on that trick play, gutsy call by Garrett Riley and also like really well executed. And like, I'm trying to think of the adjective that I want. Like, also gutsy, I guess, for Max Duggan in terms of the execution of that play, because what he's, you guys, if you watch that, you know, they have, they fake the motion going back the other way. They leave the, the guy going unblocked and Max has to kind of sell that he's given the ball to the guy coming on the reverse. And he's unblocked. If he, if, if the defender decides, I'm, decides I'm just going to go after Duggan anyway, he's getting absolutely laid out. Um, but he manages to get him to buy the fake and then he gets the easy pass to Jared Riley for the touchdown. Uh, Jared Wiley, excuse me, uh, for the touchdown. So um, I was joking during the game. I was like, Garrett Riley getting a little too cute on some of these fourth down play calls. But that was, a you know, one that came in a big moment. And they caught a tendency that Oklahoma State had and they exploited it. Um, yeah. This offense is fun, man. This offense is really fun. It is. It was a clunky looking play, but it worked. And Oklahoma State, I mean, this is neither here nor there. But they caught TCU on, like, one reverse yesterday, and then they ran, like, six more. Um, and they really didn't get that same result. But it was just interesting to see kind of all the motion and misdirection that both offense was running on Saturday. Okay, well, this is fun. I mean, please subscribe to Lockdown Horn Frogs on YouTube. We're going to keep the content churning out. This team is fun to talk about. Matt, thank you as always. Uh, we're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day.